Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, we are back for another episode of this podcast about accessibility practitioners. And today I am pleased to be talking with Zach Klein. How are you, Zach? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. And I, I, I've known you for uh, for a while now. I, uh, I'm uh, talking from my Vashon Island office, which is near Blink's Seattle headquarters. Uh, where are you talking to us from? Uh, Sammamish, Washington, which is kind of east of Seattle. Well, well, it's good to have a chance to uh, chat with you for the purpose of uh, of this podcast. And uh, you know, of course, as I mentioned, we've we've worked together uh, at Blink uh, with uh, you assisting us with a number of uh, projects as a, a consultant. And uh, you know, we can come back to talk about that, but. Uh, you know, what, what other activity are you involved with uh, uh, for work right now? I'm a uh, software test engineer. I work with a company called iSoftStone. Um, I basically do uh, lots and lots of testing for accessibility testing, primarily for uh, Microsoft in different, uh, doing different um, testing, basically whatever they assign to us, we do it, which can vary wildly. Well, uh, yeah, we come back and uh, kind of dig into your contemporary work a little bit more. But uh, you know, this is all about uh, people who you who may be uh, just finding their way now into accessibility professionally. Uh, uh, you know, to to find the journeys of others. So you know, maybe talk a little bit about uh, you know your life experience with that, and we'll kind of move up to. Uh, um, how how you're working uh, in that space now? Sure. Um, I guess I can say I started uh, seriously looking at accessibility. I, I I kind of fell into it by accident. I was um, kind of not sure what I was going to do with myself, and I don't know where the original tip came from, but I was. Uh, invited to do some testing with a company called Mobility, which is a very big accessibility vendor. Um, it was kind of piecemeal, sort of similar to the sort of work I've done with Blink. Uh, I just kind of started doing that one, like back in 2015 or so, and then it kind of just spiraled from there. I've, I've been slowly doing more accessibility work and educating myself. I took the I took a couple certifications and have gotten a little more knowledgeable specifically around the web accessibility area, but it's, it's just kind of been all organic. There's not really been any plan per se. Uh, I just did it because as a totally blind, uh, person, accessibility is very important to me because without accessible content, nothing else is, mm -hmm. nothing else is usable. 
Well, yeah, yeah, it's certainly one of the you know, benefits that uh, Blink uh, gets from uh, our working relationship is you're able to uh, you know, provide that uh, unique perspective that that you have uh, from being blind, and uh, you know, it's uh, you know, certainly uh, you know that you must have uh, you know. In, informed a lot of uh, your thinking and experience in this space just having to work with ex assistive technologies uh you know in your own life as you uh kind of move through school and things so uh yeah uh, you know kind of you know, you know what what would that what was that uh ex experience like and and how did that uh kind of prepare you for the the work that you're doing today well i mean i've always been a geek kind of a tech Tech geek in general, I love uh, learning about technology and assistive technology is just one more area that is kind of interesting to me because there's a lot of obviously great steps forward in the past few years. I think that like the Apple iPhone, for example, is one of those things that on the, on the face of it, if you didn't know anything about it, you would assume it's not accessible to the totally blind at all because it's a touch screen and because it's you know, but Apple figured out a way to make it to make it talk and to turn it in the past, you know, decade into one of the most, you know, popular devices blind people have ever seen. So the thing which interests me, I guess, about this field is that AT, while in some ways it's kind of static, is moving, always moving forward, and there's always something new coming up or new potential. Uh, and I remember back when I was in uh, middle school, high school, I had a device called a Braille and Speak, which was basically a portable note taker, which ran uh, some custom custom operating system they wrote themselves. But it, in some ways, was more advanced than the stuff that sighted people had at the time, because it could turn on, that thing could turn on in seconds, and be ready to take take notes and that I have a soft spot for that thing even though I haven't touched one of those in years well uh, um, you, you mentioned uh, uh, being a, a, a geek uh, with respect to tech and, and one of the things that uh, um, you do is you work with a lot of different devices. So I know just on the projects we've uh, we've worked on, you have uh, you know different tools that that you work with. Maybe you could kind of run through some of the uh, assistive devices and technologies that uh, that you work with uh, for your well for your personal life, and then also lead into your work life. Sure, I have obviously a laptop here. Uh, I prefer. I have a MacBook, MacBook Air here in front of me. Um, I use pretty much every day. I like, I like it. I like Apple generally. Um, just because it's been, it's nice. They seem to have a very strong commitment to accessibility. Not without missteps, but most companies seem to have, most companies have had those. Um, I have a refreshable Braille display, which is basically a 40 character long Braille line that you can 
read and that will change as the computer or whatever talks to it. It's expensive as heck, but I've been told that they're working on and have come up with ways to reduce the price of those things. But they are much more, um, I guess, common for people who are deafblind, but I get a lot out of it anyway because I like Braille and Braille is one of those things that I have come to appreciate more as I've gotten older. Ah, as a kid, I didn't really get the point of it, I admit. And, uh, and, and you also, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I have you go on. And, and, and you work with your uh, your iPhone a lot. I do. I do. I have that. And iOS, like I said earlier, is pretty much one of the best things to happen to blind people in many years. Um, because Apple took a lot of their, you know, took a lot of pains to make accessibility pretty, pretty simple on iOS and uh, make not only their own apps, but third party apps playable. Or not playable, excuse me, accessible. Playable is a, not, I do a lot of gaming on the phone, so that's where that came from. But mm -hmm. accessible. Well, uh, so, uh, you know, we've been working together on, a, on some projects uh, over the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, when I, when I connect with you about things, it seems like you're, you're always really busy. You always have a lot of, things going on, including work projects, uh, you know, you have, you've obviously carved out a, you know, a good uh, niche for yourself uh, work-wise, but I, yeah, I know just, uh, generally that uh, it can be difficult to, uh, you know, to have, uh, you know, busy work lives for people who are blind because of, you know, limitations with uh, uh, just technologies in the workplace. So, and how has it worked out for you where uh, you seem to be really busy all the time? Well, my current job is literally um, well suited to me because it is about accessibility testing. So if something, that's something I can talk about and that's something I can write a bug report about. Um, I haven't had any major issues with technology of my own with with these assistive technology for a while, um, I do tend to, I mean, I like to solve problems or if I can't solve them, at least understand why things are the way they are. So if I tend, if I run into a problem, I'm likely to try and figure out what's going on. And I'm a QA person, I'm a quality assurance person. So I try to run through, you know, steps and figure out, okay, is this not working? If not, what's going on? What can I do to fix it? And, so. yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed about our our working relationship is just your approach to the work. I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, uniquely what you're, uh, you're able to contribute with your knowledge about uh, working with uh, assistive devices. But beyond that, uh, you, you, you're able to uh, put a lot of, you know, thoughtful, uh, well, just a lot of thinking time into 
uh, you know, what you're reviewing, what the uh, opportunities are, what the challenge challenges are, and then, uh, you know, pulling that all together uh, for uh, reports and documents related to that. So, they, I mean, that's really, a, you know, a special skill in and of itself. So, kind of how did, how did you develop that, uh, you know, where you're able to you have good business communication uh, as part of your uh, activities. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't taught it. I just kind of it came out of. It grew out of. I think I did a lot of um, beta testing for things, and a couple, a few years ago, I did some test testing work for an iOS game which took up a lot of my mental energy, but it also taught me how to write a good bug report and how to explain issues in a way that was comprehensible to somebody else. Um, and then the work that I'm doing now just kind of amplified that because we have a format we have to follow and it's all very structured. So the structure of uh, the reports and, you know, issues, issues that I work on help structure my thought process, I suppose. And also, I mean, I just have a, a tendency to like to, to like the details of things. So I, I go into a lot of mental depth about things that I'm passionate about and that Accessibility just happens to be one of those. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you've also uh, you know done quite a bit of work uh, in uh, in showing off your your experience through your uh, credentials through the IAAP. So, uh, in terms of the uh, certifications, uh, you've been uh, able to uh, work through the uh, the CPAC, which is the uh, a certified uh, practitioner in accessibility and also uh, the web accessibility specialist certification. So, uh, you know, those are pretty, pretty rigorous uh, uh, tests that you have to take to be able to get that. So, you know, what was that experience uh, like in terms of uh, preparing for those tests and, and, and taking them and that type of thing? I enjoyed that. I like, I have stronger or more powerful memories of the CPWA, I think, than of the other one, because um, I I felt like I got a lot more knowledge when preparing for the CPWA, because you had to learn not only like it, you know, the very basics of HTML, JavaScript, and all the rest of it, but you had to learn how it in, how they interact with the screen reader or other assistive technologies and what the um, what happens things like how uh, little, little things like how how you manage focus in a web app for example things that you don't think about unless you're an accessibility person and are paid to think about them and I really enjoyed learning not just how things work but why they work the way they did and You, you mentioned that you had a you have a good memory and uh you know one of the projects we were working on together was uh, nasa for 
uh, their uh, their new uh, 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 comprehensive website design rollout that they're they're working on. One of the areas we're looking at was navigation, and uh, I mean it's always uh, you know amazing to me uh, when you would talk through your your mental model that you're building uh, just from what you're able to experience with the uh, you know, through the screen reader and keyboard only access. And uh, uh, you're, you're certainly skilled in that area, but I mean, it, navigation is 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 just, uh, you know, just must be hugely challenging for yourself. And uh, you, obviously your memory helps in that area, but uh, how do you approach that part uh, with navigation with respect to your work? It seems like, uh, you know, maybe not everybody has that uh, ability to build the mental model that you do. Well, just, I mean, take it one step at a time and don't try and think. I I can't think too hard about the big picture of mental. I, I don't think about the mental model. I just kind of take it one or two steps at a time and try to think, okay, how does this fit into the grander scheme of whatever I'm looking at? And it's, sometimes very tricky if the site, some of the NASA sites in particular, the ones that displayed graphical information were kind of strange and a little hard to come to grips with. But I've had that same experience across um, other places, but a lot of times it's just a matter of taking it slowly and not worrying too much about getting the same information as quickly as other people, as long as I'm able to process it. and come to an understanding of what I'm seeing uh, or hearing, as the case may be. And depending on, obviously, web authors or others to get their coding right, which is not always something that is guaranteed. Yeah, well, yeah, not, yeah another thing that, you know, clearly comes out of, uh, you know, that when we, we work together on things is that, uh, it's easier. It's easy to see where you know if, in a, if a process uh, working through a, a digital product or service can be made uh, more efficient and and simpler. Uh, that helps everybody, but it's it certainly speeds up your time uh, with not having to uh, you know hit dead ends and things like that, as you mentioned with code issues and so on. Yeah. Um, if there's a weakness, I. I think I tend to, I tend to like, like I said, I want to solve problems. And sometimes it's a little weird being in this situation where I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to speculate as to why things are the way they are. I really want to know, I really want to know and to be able to talk to developers and ask them, okay, what were you doing here? What happened? What was this supposed to do? Because it didn't work in the way it's supposed to. Whereas if I'm a tester, my job is to just go in and say, okay, this is my experience. And I'm not supposed to reach beyond my, what I'm actually encountering to speculate as to the whys and wherefores. But yeah. Well, if speculation definitely works out uh, in the types of uh, projects that I work on, because we, you know, we like to start with foundational research that then, uh, drives the design that then uh, drives the uh, specification for the developers. So uh, uh, the, the, now maybe thinking, uh, you know, a little bit uh, looking toward the uh, 
you know, the future. Are there any certain areas that uh, you're interested in getting involved in, uh, areas you want to have more experience, uh, uh, anything, you know, that that you're looking forward to uh, in your career? Yeah. Um, I'd like to do more. I'd like to do more test, more kind of liaison work, I guess, with developers, like as in less rote testing going through a process and more consultancy in the sense of, okay, this is how we, this is an issue. These are different ways we could solve it. Let's pick, pick something and, you know, brainstorm and figure out what the issues are or what the solution, what a good solution is. Um, and if I'm, in terms of like bigger picture accessibility things that I think are worth, that I think are interesting, I'd like to do work in game accessibility. I, I, gaming is a big passion of mine and accessibility. I think there's a lot of room for the inter, for the intersection of those two, um, interests, but until fairly recently, game accessibility, which is kind of not really considered seriously by anybody, uh, and to a certain extent, I don't think it is built, at least not for blind people. For sighted people and for people with other disabilities, yeah, but totally blind people have, have a, have gotten the proverbial short end of the stick in that regard for quite a while, I think. And, There's certainly no shortage of uh, things for us to be working on in as accessibility practitioners, and, and we all want to be, you know, striving to uh, uh, have a better future. But it, as you look at kind of the things that you experience in your work today, um, are there certain areas where uh, maybe you wish that uh, more websites or applications were doing better? I mean, what are some of your own kind of hot button items that, uh, you know, you wish would be in, in better shape than they are today? Well, it depends. I think that a lot of times, uh, like the very basics of accessible design aren't taught as well as they should be. Like, uh, even something as simple as good alt text is hard to write and isn't always written or is sometimes just ignored completely. Um, and something like even teaching people to use, a, to go through and run a keyboard test, keyboard only test on their content before they release it is a big thing that I think could be done or should be encouraged more because it's not something that I, for one thing, I don't always enjoy it because as a screen reader user, I don't have a way of knowing if something is missed or if, I've, if I'm not seeing something because it isn't there or if I'm not seeing something because the screen reader just doesn't recognize it's there. Now I can go into like the DOM model and inspect things and be like, oh, this thing just wasn't showing up because it was marked as hidden or whatever, but it didn't have to do that. The designer should know the basics of how screen readers present information or don't. So that kind of thing. Designers and developers, both. I mean. Well, uh, 
Zach, uh, it's uh, been good to uh, talk with you again for the purpose of this podcast. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, sharing your experiences and look forward to uh, working with you uh, on more projects in the future. Likewise. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.